Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children 18 plus, you are tuned in to the Lone Officer Podcast with me, Dustin Owen, and my main man, JC, John Coleman. Hey, Dio, how's it going, man? What's popping? <laughs> What's up, John Coleman? What's up, man? How you doing today? It's Friday, gotta go to a wedding tomorrow, not looking forward to it. Yeah, you're not looking forward to going to a wedding, why is that? Because weddings are garbage. What if it has free alcohol? It doesn't matter, relevant. I can buy myself alcohol and not go. I can see you totally out there doing the electric slide. I don't dance. Doing the cha-cha. Nope. No, not even a slow song. Nope, I don't dance. They, they play Lady in Red, and they mm. ask everyone to the dance floor. I'll walk out of the ballroom and go to my car. You don't dance, no, huh? I don't dance, I don't know. I'll make a joke. I'll, I'll have people around me and I'll just Do crack you pull jokes. up your pants and do the rock away? Nothing. You lean back. Nothing. Lean back. You know that is? Yeah, I do. Oh, that's Fat, fat Joe. Joe. Good All for right. you. Good for you, Dustin. <laughs> circa 2007. So that's hey, good. Any, any of my musical selections, you mm-hmm. know they're going to come from like 1992 mm-hmm. through about 2002. There you go. Shout out the uh, Alabama Crimson Tide shirt you're wearing. Oh, bull shnikes. This is Atlanta Braves world yeah. uh, champion. Atlanta Braves, John. Somebody should tell the teams that they share the same font. Okay, but the different colors. I do. I know. The states do border. Okay, so it makes sense. I'm sure a lot of people in Alabama. Hold on. Alabama Alabama is next to Georgia? Uh, Yeah. Yeah. I'll show you how far I made it. Yeah. (laughs) Well, yeah, you made it from Massachusetts (laughs) to Florida. That's it. Nothing. Yeah, that's that's about. There's an airplane that connects those two for you. Yeah, no. So I wore this today. I was looking in my closet. I got this as a Christmas gift from, I think, my parents, right? Because my parents and I got to go to the World Series this year together. And um, cool experience because the Braves won the World Series, which was fantastic. And uh, anyhow, if anyone's following the news, as you said, all eight people, it's more like 80. Okay. But Major League Baseball was having a labor dispute. Well, that dispute is now undisputed. Mm. It's now ready to go, ready to rock and roll. We got pitchers and catchers reporting to spring break. We got free agencies wide open. Wide open. And uh, yeah, the full season is going to partake. Yeah. 162 games. Can't wait. Well, I can't wait for like September. Yeah, just the end. Fast forward to the end. I, as a baseball fan, full disclosure, I get very excited for April because mm-hmm. that's the beginning of baseball season. Mm-hmm. Then I don't get excited again until like all-star break. Right. Because I know that after the all-star break, things start to get exciting as mm-hmm. things start to heat up. Uh, the rosters expand. There's a bunch of trades going on for the trade deadline. And then I do get excited for baseball playoffs. Nice. Which is unlike the NBA where I don't get excited this until season. game four. That's right. Game four of the finals is when I get excited. Well, the NBA season doesn't start uh, until technically after the All-Star break. And if you saw this year's All-Star, it was unforgettable. I mean, what is it? Forgettable. It's forgettable. Yeah, forgettable. yeah, laughable. Yeah, it's trash. It's kind of like watching the Pro Bowl. It's kind of like watching the just NFL Pro stop, Bowl. Just stop doing it. Yep. Anyway. Anyway, what do you want to talk about today, John? What do I want to talk yeah, about? Yeah, what do you want to talk about? Weddings? I, what, yeah. Weddings, the Atlanta Braves, the shirt I'm wearing. No, you know what I want to talk about, Dustin? I want this to, coffee cup that has yet to be washed. To two years. About two years. The it's the top book. 10 pitfalls and gotcha moments. In baseball? No, as for, for being a newer loan originator. How about not just a newer loan originator? Okay. Let's do this. Okay. I hate being pigeonholed. Nobody puts baby in the corner, John. Don't and do I feel it. like you're trying to put baby okay. in the corner. So this is for not just my newer LOs. It's for seasoned vets. It's for everyone in How between. about this? I'm going to say it again. No. I said this multiple times on many episodes. If you're looking to buy a home, this episode's for you. If you sell real estate for a living, this episode is for you. If you finance real estate for a living, this, this episode, episode is for, for you. you. That yes. basically covers 75 to 80% of the American populace. So yes. I think this episode will resonate. So, John, without further ado, let's hop right into it. Let's jump right into jump it. Jump right into it. You don't we're say gonna, that. We're going to hop right in. <laughs> and jump right in. Jump right in. Yeah, we're going to jump right in. And this stemmed 
from a class that I think we were teaching earlier in the week. Mm -hmm. And um, one of the newer loan officers had asked me a question. And it's funny, he later on, he came up to me, shout out to JD or Jonathan Dupree. Shout out JD. He, uh, he came up to me, he goes, I'm so sorry I poked the bear. I go, what are you talking about? I said, that made great content. Like JC's gonna take that 45 <laughs> oh, yeah. minute yeah, whiteboard exercise yeah. It's going to be premium content on TLOP or TLOPonline.com mm -hmm. under sales tools. Yeah. I mean, I ended up giving a 45-minute class on working with self-employed borrowers yeah. who are getting ready to file their 2021 taxes. And they asked the young loan officer, hey, how much money do I need to claim in order to qualify? Uh -huh. Uh -huh. <laughs> yeah. And we, walked in, we, we, we went through an exercise of how do you figure this out? How do you back into that number? How do you do the math? And then what I realized is being a younger, newer professional, he didn't ask all the right questions. Mm -hmm. And then we started talking about how prescription without diagnosis is malpractice right. and how we don't want to commit malpractice, et cetera, et cetera. Mm -hmm. So shout out to JD, yep. shout out to uh, mortgage school. Uh, go check us out on the loan officer podcast.com or we prefer tloponline.com because there's a ton of content on there. Um, we're, we're building out this website to be a one-stop shop for anyone mm -hmm. who sells real estate for a living, is looking to buy real estate or finances mm -hmm. real estate for a living. Right. And where you probably want to start is under sales tools, sales yeah. tools, free content, videos, get lost, get lost. Yeah. yeah. Like that make John a happy yeah. person. Yeah. John's going to be grumpy coming to work next week because his wife's forcing him to go to this wedding. Yeah. You can make John. <laughs> A happier person <laughs> yes. if you if he knows that you spent this week and doing a deep dive on tloponline.com. Well said. But in the interim, we're going to dedicate this episode to okay. JD. Shout out JD. Who just moved 4,000 miles across the country for an opportunity to work with us in Orlando, Florida as a mortgage loan originator, which is, I think, a really cool story. I can't wait to have him on a year from now oh, that'd be cool, yeah. to interview him to see like what his experience has been like yeah. one year later in the mortgage business. Nice. But these are my top 10. Mm -hmm. And by my top 10, I literally sat here with John for about seven minutes and I just brainstormed. It really pissed me off because there was a lot of prep time for what we do here. So Seven minutes is a long time for us to prep for anything. But I spent seven minutes, maybe Solid. eight. I didn't have the, the timer out. <laughs> yeah. Maybe eight minutes where I'm just like, what are like 10 things that I feel like are gotcha moments? They're going to turn and bite you in the butt mm -hmm. when you pre-qualified a home buyer or you were pre-qualified you tried to become pre-approved. Maybe someone did issue a pre-approval letter, but maybe they shouldn't have. Now that you're under contract, now things are going to go sideways. You might not close. It's going to be a mad dash at the end. Mm -hmm. How do we avoid these things? What are some of those gotcha moments that we need to um, be on the lookout for? Yeah. So I have them written down. It's in no particular order, right? So bear with me. And I'm going to do my best to explain to you what they are, why they are, maybe even share a personal story about how this particular got me at one point in my origination career and why it's so important that we ask all the right questions and um, we know how to navigate through properly helping somebody structure financing that is A, going to close and B, going to close on time that they qualify for. Nice. Cool. All right. So the very first one, we are taught as younger mortgage professionals that we need to be able to review assets, mm -hmm. right? We old school, we'd get two months of bank statements and we're going to review those bank statements. We need them to be all pages. Even if page seven is blank, we still need it. And we're going to review the bank statements and we're looking for large deposits. And we're looking for large deposits because if somebody had gone out and let's say did a credit card advance, 
and deposit that money, we can't use credit card advance money for source of uh, mm -hmm. funds for someone for their, their closing costs and their down payment. So there's certain things that a mortgage loan originator is, is trained and taught to look for because the guidelines state it is or is not a usable source of assets. Okay. But where loan officers get bit in the butt is they only look, is it all pages? What's my current balance? Do I have large deposits? Mm. And in fact, those are the good loan officers. The bad loan officers don't even do that. Hmm. The bad loan officers are turning in bank statements that don't have all pages or they're turning in bank statements and they didn't even look at what the balance was or they didn't scan for. For real? Oh, Jesus. Yes. Yeah, I won't even say anything. That's a rabbit hole. Yeah, the, yeah you don't want to go there. Yeah, okay. Just know this. There's 400,000 mortgage loan originators licensed. At least half of them make it easy for the rest of us to be successful because they don't do the basics. Mm. But what I want to explain to someone, my number one gotcha, and again, in no particular order, is are you reviewing those bank statements for withdrawals? And someone may be like, well, I don't care where my clients spend on their money, mm -hmm. whether it's Netflix, whether it's Victoria's Secret, whether it's at the ABC liquor store. Mm -hmm. But what if there's a reoccurring dollar amount that's going out on a monthly basis? Mm. $600 mm. or $557. Mm. And it's being taken out on the first Friday of every single month. That sounds like child support, separate maintenance, or alimony. Yes, or it could be a car payment. Or that. Right, or it could be a payment to a motorcycle or an RV or mm. to another property. Right. That maybe just didn't show up on the person's credit report. Hmm. Well, all five of those would be detrimental in qualifying someone because now that's a new debt that we have to include. If you don't catch that, your processor doesn't catch that, but the underwriter does, that means you issued a pre-approval letter. The person went under contract. They spent money on an appraisal on a home inspection. They're expecting to close in 10, 15 days. And now you're going to tell them they don't qualify. But you're probably not going to tell them they, they don't qualify right away. You're probably going to be like, hey, what's this? Then they're going to go round and round with you for a week or two trying to figure yeah. out what it is. How do I document it? Do I have to include it? Do I Can I exclude it? At the end of the day, you could have avoided all of that up front, A, by getting the bank statements, B, by reviewing them, but not just looking for large deposits, but look for what type of debits mm -hmm. are going out, right? What's, what's outgoing and is it consistent? Does it look like it's a liability that's not reflected on the credit report? So there's a gotcha for you. There you go. All right. This is one that I love. And this is actually what got me kind of going on this topic the other day with when helping JD. It's when you're working with someone who is self-employed, but they tell you they're W-2'd. I'm good. I'm self-employed. I'm W-2'd. Don't even worry about it, bro. Well, so it goes more like this, John. <laughs> I'm like, hey, John, what do you do for a living? You're like, oh, I, you know, I'm a truck driver. Um, I'm like, all right, that's fantastic. You know, uh, do you work for someone else? And like, no, I'm yeah, I'm W-2'd. Like, I, I get a W-2, and I'm like, oh, okay. W-2 denotes to me that you must work for somebody else. Mm -hmm. But what I have to understand is that you could own your own business and give yourself a W-2. Mm -hmm. I'm not using W-2 wages, and I'm not calculating your income as if you worked for somebody else. I still have to calculate your income as if you were self-employed. I still need to get your personal return, your W-2, your K-1, your 1120S. I need two years of it in order to qualify you because you as a self-employed business owner very well could W2 yourself 60 grand a year, but your business could very well lose 80 grand a year, at which point that W2 just 
contributing mm-hmm. to the loss. Yeah. You don't make $60,000 a year. And so many times the consumer will try to be like, oh yeah, don't, no, no, I'm, I, I get a paycheck. I get a salary. I have a W-2. Mm-hmm. But they still own 25, 50, or 100% of the business. I still have to treat them like a self-employed borrower. But if I am a less experienced or a not detail-oriented mortgage loan originator or processor or loan partner or loan officer assistant, or I'm a realtor and I'm just letting my buyer push me around and be like, oh, yeah, I don't need to get my lender all those documents because I give myself a W-2. No, if you own the business, if you are self-employed and you own more than 25%, I don't care that you give yourself a W-2. I don't care that you also give yourself a pay sub and a salary. Mm -hmm. I still have to underwrite you like I do anyone else who is self-employed. So that's a big gotcha moment when someone says, oh, don't worry about it. I'm W-2. I take a salary. I get a paycheck. No, not if you're you're self-employed. And that's why loan officers and mortgage professionals, and even the realtors that are out selling the, the homes, they have to ask the question behind the question. Oh, it's awesome you're salaried and W-2'd. Do you own the business? Yeah. That's it. Do you own it? Yeah, but. No, I don't want the yeah, but. Yeah, but. No, yeah, but I still need to <laughs> yeah, yeah. underwrite you like mm-hmm. you're self-employed. All right? So that's one. Here's a big one. Gift funds that are not run through AUS as gift funds. Now, most loan programs, especially when you're buying a primary home, they allow for gift funds. It allows mom, dad, sister, cousin, brother, aunt to gift you, John, money to use towards the purchase of your home. You need the money for a down payment. Maybe you need to help cover closing costs, maybe all of the above. But when I'm running you through AUS, Automated Underwriting System, this is what I need to use to issue a pre-approval letter. It's what the underwriter is going to use to to qualify you for financing and get your loan clear to close. Mm -hmm. Our favorite three letters. CTC. There you go. I need to make sure I have data integrity or data integrity. Is it data or or data? Tomato, tomato. Okay, you don't care? Semantics. What's your preference? Tomato. Or I don't like tomatoes. (laughs) Tomato? Can I have no tomatoes, please? But do you like data or data? Data. Data. All right. Data is for Europeans. Data. It's data. All right. So data integrity. Mm-hmm. You must have data integrity. So if John Coleman comes to me and John Coleman's trying to qualify for a home loan and John Coleman tells me he has $30,000 in his checking account. And I'm like, cool, $30,000 in checking account. I put that in. I run it through AUS and I get an approve eligible or I get an accept. I'm like, this is fantastic. Yeah. John, I have great news. I'm yeah. going to issue a pre-approval letter. Go out there and start looking at properties. Write 17 offers. Hope that one gets accepted. <laughs> yeah, right. Be willing to pay 10% over appraised value. <laughs> Let's go. Give them your left toe. Yeah. Yes. Maybe a DNA sample. Be ready, though. Actually, the seller wants to live in the basement for six more months after closing. (laughs) Have you ever thought about being a sperm donor? You're a good looking guy. Oh, my gosh. You'd be surprised. (laughs) I'd be surprised that you're a good looking guy or how many times you've been hit up. How many times, like, that's probably stories have been like nowadays. People are like, hey, the seller wants to actually live in the basement and you need to father their child. You need to father their child. So, yeah. I wouldn't be surprised. In today's market, I wouldn't be surprised either. But no, the point being is I ran it through AUS. I didn't have data integrity Mm -hmm. because 20,000 of your 30,000 was a gift from your mom. Well, I have to be able to separate that gift and run AUS appropriately. So I would have to put that into my Erla as $10,000 in checking, $20,000 in gift. Well, nine times out of 10, 95 times out of 100, that's going to be a non-issue. I'm probably going to keep my approve eligible. I'm going to keep my accept. Mm-hmm. But here's the gotcha moment. There's times because of the profile of your total picture, maybe your credit wasn't the greatest. Maybe your debt to income ratio was a little bit higher than, 
than what people would like to see. Mm-hmm. I went from having an approved eligible to a refer. I went from being able to do a loan for you to now I can't do a loan for you. So when there are gift funds, loan officers, loan partners, processors, LOAs, be sure that you specify that you break it out in AUS. Because if you don't, then you don't have data integrity. So that's the third gotcha moment. I talked about self-employed earlier, mm-hmm. and this came out from Jimmy Nadu. Shout out Jimmy. Yeah, and Jimmy was in, was in our mortgage school on Wednesday. And Jimmy at this point is so cool because Jimmy was a rookie last year. Yeah. And I see him today. Yeah, just light years. Yes, if, if anyone out there is struggling, I, I want them to have an opportunity one day to meet Jimmy. Yeah. Because he's doing a million to a million three a month, mm-hmm. four now, five months in a row. Mm-hmm. And I hear him talk. Way different. I'm like, you sound like a pro. <laughs> yeah. Like, you sound like you've been doing this for decades. Sounds not- like you've earned the title mortgage loan originator. Oh, he's earned it. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, he's definitely earned it. He's probably coming up on his 30th closing. He hasn't hit 50 yet, but mm-hmm. he's definitely over mm-hmm. 20. Yeah. And he's consistently closing three, four, five loans a month for about a million dollars a month in volume on average. So it's yeah. fantastic for Jimmy. But we were talking about JD's particular scenario, mm-hmm. and Jimmy reminded me, the instructor, yeah. hey, I need to make sure that I'm thinking hard enough, that I know the rules inside and out. You need to understand loan programs, products, and guidelines better than your underwriter. And if you don't, that's my challenge to you. And it's okay if you don't know it in six months or 12 months, but over the next three to five years, you need to be so seasoned and so in tune that you know as much, if not more than your underwriter. So a common pitfall or trap that a mortgage loan originator falls into comes from a place of ignorance and lack of experience. And if you understand your loan programs and products the way that Jimmy does, when we are solving for JD self-employed income scenario, Jimmy asked this question of the self-employed borrower. How long have you owned your business for? And do you remember what that person's answer was? I think it was five years. I it was always oh, 10 years. 10 years. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. 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 The guy had been a barber for 10 years. Mm-hmm. He said 10 years. Well, Jimmy already one year in the business, but he's been trained how to think like an underwriter says, well, if you know, Freddie Mac's guidelines, if you've been self-employed for at least five years and you run the scenario through AUS, there's a good chance LPA is only going to ask for the most recent one year hmm. tax return. Hmm. So a common pitfall that loan originators fall into is they would have told Tony the barber, Mm -hmm. who was the mock scenario that we were training off of, they would have told Tony the barber, no, I can't do a loan for you because you're self-employed. And when I average your income over the next, over last year and the year before, you don't make enough to qualify. Where Jimmy, Mm -hmm. who is as as seasoned, not seasoned, as um, learned Mm -hmm. as a mortgage underwriter goes, wait a minute. What if you ran him Freddie because he's owned his business for five years or longer and his credit score is high and he has decent assets and his body of his of his credit profile is solid. Maybe we can get a one year Hmm. waiver on the tax returns and just use 2021's tax return and not 2020's tax return. Because the problem was the guy made $30,000 in 2020, but he made $75,000 in 2021. Well, if I had to average those two incomes, he wouldn't qualify. But if I only had to use one year because he's owned his company for longer than five years, ding, ding, ding. Mm. So that was a real life scenario that a loan originator only one year in the business with only 30 or 40 closings underneath his belt 
already knew, mm-hmm. wait a minute, how do I outthink my competition? So that's an example of how a loan originator could potentially not close a loan because it did not have the ability to outthink mm. the competition. So that reminds me of the next pitfall, okay. the next gotcha. Yeah. Not thinking about finding a way to yes. So something I love about our COO at the company I work for, guy's name is Rich Tucker. We've had Rich mm-hmm. on the show before. Great dude, great awesome mortgage guy. professional, awesome. just awesome human, yeah. right? But Rich's two favorite sayings. One, I literally used to my son yesterday. Nothing changes if nothing changes. The other one is find a way to yes. Mm-hmm. As a mortgage loan originator, as a mortgage professional, are you doing what you can to find a way to yes? As a home buyer, is your lender doing what it takes to find a way to yes? So find a way to yes may be if you hit a roadblock and someone's qualifications, instead of just saying, sorry, you don't qualify, tell them how they qualify. Now, how they qualify might not be feasible, but at least put that option out there. So for an example, ma'am or sir, you currently do not qualify, but if you're if you paid off these three credit cards, you would. Now the answer may be like, I don't have 20 grand to pay off those three credit cards. Okay. Hey, I'm not stopping there. Hey, ma'am or sir, any chance you have a 401k you can borrow against? We could use the 401k money for a down payment, take your down payment money, use it to pay off their credit cards. Nope, don't have a 401k. Okay. Hey, ma'am or sir, any chance you have a family member who's willing to give you a gift? Maybe we could do a gift, mm. right? Mm-hmm. Nope, don't have that either. Okay, I'm going to the next one. I'm yeah, like, yeah. like, if you notice, I'm not giving up. Yeah. Hey, ma'am or sir, do you have a family member who's willing to co-sign? And by the way, when you're looking for a co-signer, make sure you find someone who has high provable income and limited to no debt. That's what we're looking for. So that we can add their income to your income, their low debt to your high debt, but you can still qualify. Hmm. I'm finding a way to yes. And you have to be willing to at least put it out there. And I may tell someone, hey, John, look, you may think I'm crazy, but it's worth the try. Yeah. It's worth me asking. Mm-hmm. Right? Nothing changes if nothing changes. So right now I'm at a no. Yeah. I can't get to a yes unless I'm willing to ask you these next questions. So I once lost a loan. I let a competitor outthink me. No, you didn't. I not D.O. A, yes. Not D.O. Oh, not D.O. Life is full. <laughs> My life is chock full of mistakes. <laughs> chock full of errors and stumbles and bubbles. I just try to make more stumbles and bubbles than most. And I try to learn from them much quicker. Yeah. So I'm doing a loan for a retired couple. So they had just seen their income go from 180 grand a year down to 90 grand a year. This is common. This actually could have been a pitfall whenever you're dealing with someone who's become an empty nester, but this, mm. is, this, this did not make the top 10 list. <laughs> right. But the story did, because this story is about the pitfall is not looking for or finding a way to yes. Mm-hmm. And the super long story short is they had cars leased and not cars that they were financing. Well, when you lease a car, you don't own that car, right? You're renting it. Mm-hmm. That's what that's what a lease mm-hmm. is. So when we're doing a loan for somebody and they lease the car, regardless if they have one month left in the lease or if they have 84 months in the lease, I still have to count that lease payment against them because it's assumed as soon as that lease expires, they're going to get another one. They're going to get another mm-hmm. one. If you own a car and you're financing and you have one month left, I don't have to count that payment against you because it's uh, assumed that once you make that payment, no you own the car. Right. Okay. okay. So this couple had a leased car and the lease payment was 700 bucks a month. I'm, and I'm sitting there telling them, I'm so sorry, you don't qualify. You don't qualify. And they got angry. They got mad. Now, I don't know why they're getting angry and mad at me. I don't make the rules. Yeah. 
right? Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac, FHA, VA, yeah. like they make yeah, blame, the rules. Blame the regulators. It's not me, ma'am. It's not me. But this other loan originator across town, she had the audacity. She had the hoomsta to ask, well, you know, if you just bought out your lease, I could qualify you for this home loan. Now, not buy it out like, hey, how much, how, how many months are left? Go ahead and prepay those months. No, buy the damn car. Buy the car. Just buy the car. Guess what they did? Bought the car. They bought the car. I didn't even think. My brain didn't even go there. Like, my brain was going, well, it's a lease. I have to count the payment against them. Even if they prepaid and paid it down, my underwriter still is not going to let me. But this lady, this mm -hmm. mortgage professional just said, look, I can do a loan for you if you're willing to take $40,000 out of your bank account, which they had, and just buy the car outright. Do you love the car? Is it a nice color? Yeah, I love Does it. Does it drive well? Yeah, do you want the house? Cool. Buy the car, buy the house, we're done. Yes. Damn. And that's what happened. So that's why that pitfall is on here. That's why that gotcha moment hmm. is make sure that you're looking to find a way to yes. Now, the pitfall within the pitfall is make sure that you're finding a way to yes for people who can help themselves. Mm -hmm. You know, like if you don't find a way to yes with someone who habitually can't pay their bills on time, who habitually can't save money, who habitually can't maintain employment. Mm -hmm. Like you can't help that, but find a way to yes is at least when you have someone, when you're looking at them on paper, like, gosh, I think I'd almost lend them my own money. How can we not do a loan for them? If you're having that thought, if your gut's telling you that, then yeah, maybe try a little harder. Hmm. Even if you throw out crazy ideas. What if you did this, but then that, and then we could get this. You never know. Yeah. Cause what if I was that loan officer and I threw it out there? Well, ma'am, sir, I can do a loan for you, but I'm going to need you to buy this car outright. I know you're leasing it, but I need you to buy it. If they told me no, well, I had a no to begin with. Yeah, yeah. This, I'm like, dang, I'll always remember that. Yeah. I mean, that's a super deep wrinkle, though. That's like in there, kind of. Yeah. You got to think but, in creativity. Like creative, but that could have cost me a referral relationship. Yeah. It definitely cost me a $3,000 commission check. I mean, these people were buying a, I mean, they, they, were, they were buying a $300,000 home when the average home prices were like one dollars right. You know, now $300,000 doesn't even buy you a starter yeah, house. good luck. But yeah, yeah. I mean, th this was a big loan back then. Yeah. Referred in by one of my best agents. And then I let a lender across town. How does that make me look? Egg a on little, your face. Egg on my face. A little bit incompetent. Yeah. So, you know, that that would be um, that would be a pitfall. Speaking of my mistakes, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stay on my mistakes. And mm -hmm. we're going to talk about other pitfalls other gotcha moments okay all right because i make no mistakes in the mortgage industry because i'm not licensed correct <laughs> john we ask you to make content we do not ask you to uh to produce loans yeah, yeah. yet we get <laughs> we we ask you to support those that are out there producing loans right. make sure you keep their phone ringing yeah exactly. make sure people like them and see them right make sure they look pretty on video all day all right you can do that yeah. and make sure when my audio gets all out of whack that you just clean it yeah, up for that's me full-time job i appreciate you cleaning it up <laughs> No, um, ask all the right questions. And I'm speaking more for when you're going through, there's a series of questions you have to ask when you're taking a, a loan application from a borrower, mm -hmm. right? They are, are you a U.S. citizen? Are you obligated to pay alimony and child support separate maintenance? Have you had any foreclosures? In the, like, like all of those mm -hmm. questions. Yeah, yeah. Actually ask them. And then if they filled out your online application, actually review them with them. How dare you? Yes, and don't make assumptions. Because you know what happens when you make assumptions, John? Ass out of you and me. It took me a while, by the way. I had to spell that out because if you spell assume, it says ass, you, me. Yes, so. making an ass out of you and me. Yes, but yes, don't, don't assume that they clicked the right boxes. Don't assume that they understood 
what the question was really asking. These past couple of gotcha moments makes me my mind go to one place. How many loan officers just blindly don't even look at the info they're receiving, hand it into the other writer, depending on them to like find the errors? Oh is that, God, way too many. Is that really like I'm not going to check this way, word? I got way, way, way. Some because that's their business model, and those business models make it a lot easier for the companies that are in the top 100 mm -hmm. to be in the top 100. Hmm. Right? They they're not only hiring people who aren't skilled, but then they're not developing those people. And that's what's always baffled me. He's like, you gotta develop people, right? I heard my our buddy Rich uh, Steve Richmond was speaking. Yeah. Uh, so I went and saw Steve uh, speak. He's a buddy. I like to connect with yeah, him. Steve's and, an awesome guy. Um, in fact, he had even asked me. He's like, Hey, Dio, can, are you gonna be there? I'd like to talk to you afterwards because he was actually trying out a new presentation. And anytime you're doing presentations, it's like, I mean, Dave Chappelle needs to try yeah, out you try material. It on yeah. Yeah. You have to try it out. You have to make your adjustments and your tweaks. Mm -hmm. And but something that he said during that that I'm like, Oh, I'm stealing that. I'm a swipe and adapt it, just like I've taken from, you know, Barry mm -hmm. and Tim mm -hmm. and Todd and all mm -hmm. these other people. But he had was talking about companies and leaders not being willing to develop talent. And he says, I hate the word train. You know, no one wants to be trained, but people want to be developed. Mm. But he's like, I've never understood a leader. He's like, well, I don't want to develop so-and-so because what if they leave? What, what if I spend all this time and effort developing them and then in three years or five years they leave and go somewhere else? And Steve was like scratching his head. He's like, all right, so cool. You don't want to develop your people to make them better and more and more resourceful. So instead, because you're afraid they'll leave. Mm -hmm. Instead, let's not develop them. Keep them somewhat incompetent. Keep them incompetent and let them work for you for 10 years. <laughs> yeah, let's go. Sounds like a great idea. Yes. I'm right. like, oh, my God, that yeah. totally resonated with me. Mm. So um, how do we get on that topic? Because I said, do loan officers not oh, check yes. their work and just submit it yes. and don't even pay attention? Yes. Yeah, because their their managers won't develop them. Interesting. Yeah, some are lazy. Some it's just pure laziness. But others it's like it's it's pure ignorance. Like ignorance by the definition of ignorance. Right. Like they're just, just un, untrained. They don't, know, right. they don't know any better. Hmm. But asking all the right questions, here's what I've learned. I made an assumption that someone didn't pay child support. Why? Because he was 21 years old. Why? Because he was married with a baby. Yeah, of course he did. I figured this dude's 21 married with a baby. There's no way he pays child support. Yeah. 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 <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and he did. And it showed up on his pay stub, which, by the way, I didn't ask for. That's another mistake. I didn't ask for it until he was under contract because I made the assumption he was a school teacher. I'm like, oh, he's a school teacher. I can look up on the county's website what he makes per year. Mm. Right. He made 42,500 a year. Like, damn, that was just. Multi uh, uh. <laughs> yeah, it was so I never asked for it. Yeah. And the pay stub comes in and he has like it was small, like one hundred and sixty two dollars a pay period or three hundred and whatever that is, forty five dollars a month or whatever it ends up being. Mm -hmm. And. um, It's a big gotcha moment because his loan got denied. <clears throat> and it's a big assumption I made because I met the guy face to face. So I was wedding band. Not a kid, not the kid. No way, so, yeah, yeah. Yeah, no way, yeah. Well, when he was 17 in high school, knocked up his girlfriend, hey. they had a baby together. Yep. He pays child support. I didn't ask that question. Damn. That, so that's on me. Yeah. There's another time, doing a loan for a gentleman. I met him and his wife face-to-face -face in person. They're in their 60s. They looked, they talked, they dressed American. Mm -hmm. I, U.S. citizen. Yeah. Yeah, didn't even ask him the question. Yeah. This person's more more American than I am. Yeah. Right? Yep. I get a day before closing, find out wife's not a U.S. citizen. Wait a minute, what? Yeah. She's from the 51st state. Hawaii? Canada. <laughs> <laughs> Jeez. 
She was from Canada. And Canada's not even a state yet. Dang. Um, I don't know what's going to come first, Puerto Rico or Canada, but I think we do them both at the same territory. time. Territory. I think we take the Canadian territory. <laughs> yeah. Pretty sure Justin Throw wouldn't like that, but nonetheless. Um, you assumed and you made an ass yes. out of yourself again. Now, luckily, that didn't prevent us from closing on the loan, but it caused a lot of last-minute scurrying. She had to find her green card. This lady's like, I've been married for 40 years. Do you think I know where that is? Correct. She didn't know where her green card was. I needed to have front and back. What? A, a copy of the front and the back of the green card. Good luck. Yeah. So that is, that's like this pitfall. I have to ask all the questions and I can't assume that if my client did the online application that they answered them correctly because maybe they didn't understand the question. Yeah. Another one, doing a loan for somebody right now. He does not have a bankruptcy or a foreclosure. Anywhere. Good to go. Let's go. Don't even pay attention. Anywhere. Not even on the credit report. Yeah, it's crazy. Yep. So I didn't stop and yeah. ask the questions. I've known this person for like 10 years now. Yeah, fine. Yep. Guess what, though? Oh, God. He co-signed for his brother's loan, and his brother's loan is in foreclosure. Uh, So that egg on his face? Uh, Egg on everybody's face. Right. I mean, at the end of the day, Jocko's book, Extreme Ownership, is going to tell me it's my fault. Right. Did I really ask the question? Did I ask the question behind the question? Right. Because I said, you know, have you had a foreclosure? I didn't ask. Have you been a part of any loan mm. that has gone into foreclosure? Damn. That's yeah. Right. yeah, that's, yeah. Yep. So his brother's home that he co-signed for, brothers let the home go into foreclosure. It has not been within the past seven years that the foreclosure proceedings mm. went through. The home was not included in any type of bankruptcy. So I legit had to flip this dude from a conventional loan into an FHA loan. So that I could get the loan closed because I didn't ask all the right questions. He went from not having to pay PMI to now having to pay mortgage insurance. Hmm. So that's asking all the questions specifically as it pertains to things like alimony, child support, and separate maintenance, especially as it pertains to things like short sale and foreclosure and citizenship <laughs> and citizenship. Yeah. Um, another one that ca- catches people on under that same umbrella is, are you a party to a lawsuit? Basically, are you currently being sued? Hmm. If you're currently being sued, that could jeopardize our ability to move forward with a home loan for you, hmm. especially if that lawsuit could a um, add a liability. Like now you have a financial penalty mm-hmm. that you have to pay monthly or that lawsuit could maybe attach to your homesteaded or real property. Mm. That could be an issue because it could then cloud the title for for us and give us not the first right to foreclose on you if things go bad. So. And by we, I'm talking mortgage lenders. All right. All right. This is a big one. This this is a big topic, this next gotcha. Mm-hmm. Not understanding income. Not understanding income. So we talked a little bit about like a self-employed person letting trying to say they're W-2, but this mm-hmm. is this is above and beyond that. That is looking at someone's pay stub and trying to factor, are they paid every two weeks? Or are they paid truly twice a month? Hmm. Because I'll tell you this about the consumer. They don't know how much money they make. They don't know. I mean, I've done loans for professional athletes who argued about how much money they made. And I'm like, dude, I'm looking at your pay stub. I'm looking at your W-2. And that person's mind, and good for him, conservatively, he only knows about what gets deposited into his bank account. Hmm. Well, in the mortgage world, we, we're going to underwrite you based on gross income, not net income. Hmm. So he was a little bit freaked out and miffed. That worked out in our favor. Yeah, right. You know, he was telling us he made less income and he was super well qualified. I mean, professional athlete making million plus dollars a year, yeah. super well qualified. But there's been times 
when you're you're interviewing a borrower, you're asking questions about their income, and I asked them, well, you know, how much money do you make? Well, I make X amount of dollars, every, um, and I'm paid every two weeks. Well, are you paid every two weeks, which means you're getting 26 pay check pay pay periods, mm-hmm. or are you paid twice a month, which means you're getting 24? Oh yeah, actually twice a month. Well, yeah, 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 yeah I need yeah, to know that. Yeah. But sometimes people tell me I get paid twice a month when really. They get paid every two weeks. And, then, yeah, yeah. and so you end up with false positives or false negatives, mm-hmm. especially when you're trying to figure out, is it worth you even submitting your information to me? Is it worth you going online and completing an online application and uh, doing the e-consent and mm-hmm. um, you know, giving me the verification or the, 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 the authorization to verify your credit, right? I need to know as a loan originator and I need to look at the pay stub and I need to see what the pay period is. And is that pay period every two weeks or is that pay period twice a month? Because twice a month is different than every two weeks. One is 26 paychecks, one is 24 paychecks. So that is a huge gotcha moment. At the same time that we're talking about income, teachers, especially teachers. I have done a loan for a teacher. I asked them how much they make. They really don't know. Mm-hmm. I promise you, people don't know how much they make. They have a ballpark range. Mm-hmm. They know how much gets deposited into their bank account, but they don't know the actual gross number. And I've had a teacher just send me in their pay stubs. And this happened to me as a younger loan originator. I looked at how much was being, um, well, how much was on the, the the paycheck. It was a monthly paycheck. Times it by 12. Good to go. Good to go. Here's the problem. That person was a 10-month employee. Damn. They, they purposefully did not collect a check the months of June and July. They had it set up with their school system, and I didn't catch it. Like, I didn't... I didn't ask all the right questions. I'd never seen that before. Um, I didn't reverse engineer looking at their year-to-date pay. I didn't mm-hmm. really take a, a glander at their W-2 from the previous year. I literally got their pay stub. They were paid once a month. Time took, <laughs> took that dollar amount. That was their monthly income. Nope, they made a little bit less than that. Mm. I was saying they were making $4,500 a month, and really it was like $3,750. Well, that's going to affect the qualification parameters. Now that is going to affect it. Yeah, so these are things in the when, you, when you're talking about income, you really have to, 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 to dive and drill deep into the income. Hourly workers, to me, are, are almost as difficult as self-employed. Hmm. So an, an hourly uh, borrower versus a self-employed borrower, because I talk to an hourly borrower that work at – XYZ, they work at Bed Bath & Beyond, they're assistant manager, they make $21.50 an hour. Oh, awesome, is that full-time? Yep, that's full-time. Is that 40 hours a week? Yep, I work five eight-hour shifts. Mm-hmm. Cool. Do I get their pay stub? I'm like, well, it's 38 hours last week, and it's $39.50 this week. And the week prior, well, I was at only 30. Oh, we were slow, I got cut. Yeah. Oh, all of a sudden, Mm-mm. if I was running numbers without verifying, which, by the way, you should never do, you should only run yeah. pre-approvals based on verified information. I need to take a look to make sure that I'm not just assuming that they work 40 hours a week because they told me that they were full-time because they might not work the full 40. They may get cut. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they may be sent home early or they may work overtime and that works in my favor. Um, other notes on that is two years. This was my big one. And it came from JD actually mm-hmm. again. I said, J.D., how long has so-and-so done this? He goes, oh, about two years. I go, no, there's no abouts. Kind of. No, yeah, <laughs> you can be about seven years. You can be about 15 years. Right, but anything less than that. But, like, we have to verify two years of employment, not one year and ten months. Not two years. Of, oh, I have to verify yeah. two years of employment. Yeah. So when he says about two, I said, which one is it? Because I've had clients, I legit asked them. 
I go, hey, John, how long have you been doing what you're doing? Oh, you know, uh, going on two years. Going on two years? Going right. on two years. That basically means they started January of, of 2020. Yeah. And, uh, or I'm sorry, January 2021. And it was like, yeah, almost two years. Almost two years. No, no, no. It'll be two years, years in like December. Years. Yeah. Like, yeah. I'm almost there. Yeah, yeah, I'm almost there. So, like, you have to ask those questions. You you have to, like, re-verify. Oh, awesome, John. So, almost two years. So, does that mean a little over two years or a little under? Does that mean, like, we're in March. Did you start April two years ago? And, like, well, no, it was around Christmas time two years. Oh, oh. Well, yeah. So, it's a year and 15 months. Yeah a big difference yeah. especially if i'm trying to use like bonus mm -hmm. commission overtime types of income that require a two-year history and so you can't just like oh about two years no i need to know over or under so that's a big gotcha moment mm -hmm. we talked about 24 papers versus 26 mm -hmm. i gave the story about the school teacher who actually worked 10 months and not 12 months mm -hmm. that was a gotcha moment that i had to make sure that now when i get a pay stub i'm actually looking at it same thing for our hourly workers. If you pick up what I'm putting down, get the ver the, the validation, get the, the pay stubs, get the W-2s, actually look at them. Look for discrepancies. Look for things that, that don't stand out. Get out your calculator and, and double check the information that's on that pay stub because mm -hmm. those are all things that get in your way. Yeah. All right. I think I have two more left, maybe three. Okay. I think three more to go. We'll be quick. I think we're going along. 401ks. A 401k is a fantastic asset to utilize for funds to close mm -hmm. most that's the key word most mortgage borrowers most home buyers can borrow against their 401k and use those funds to purchase a home mm -hmm. we in the mortgage industry allow for that to happen in fact we don't even have to count their payment against them mm. how cool is that you just borrowed money you do have a repayment but we don't charge it to you because the repayment's to yourself yeah all right cool not every 401k allows for it. Uh-oh. That's a big assumption that loan officers and the consumer have made. Oh, no, it's cool. My 401k can borrow against Yeah, well, my, my sister did. My brother did. My best friend did. Well, are you guys under the same management? Yeah. Yeah. Is it, is it the same employer? Is it the yeah. same 401k administrator or same mm -hmm. 401k plan? Mm -hmm. So don't make that assumption. If you're going to use your 401k, make sure that you are giving one second. Bless you. <coughs> Solid. You saw it all over your eyes. You saw that. <laughs> oh, what a great feeling. Yeah. It's but, funny. I love sneezes, but man, the hiccups bad. make me suicidal. Yeah. Like I'd kill myself. I've had them for like three days straight. Once. Don't you nah -uh. knock on wood right there. That's me knocking on wood. <laughs> that's me knocking on okay, wood. Right. Yeah. Okay. Uh, okay. So back on 401ks, that's a that is a gotcha moment when you make the assumption. So I've had a client made the assumption that they'd be able to borrow against their 401k. We use that for their pre-approval. We use that to have their file submitted to, to underwriting. The underwriter conditionally approved their- Uh-oh. And then it just came time to getting the money deposited into their checking account. Charles Schwab was like, uh-uh, you can't. Yeah, yeah, and whoever it was was like, nope, your plan doesn't allow for it. Wah, 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 wah. What do you mean it doesn't? It, it doesn't. It, two ways you can get it out. Quit your job or, or get desired. fired. Oh my gosh, that's a drastic. Yeah, quit your job or get fired was basically what, what they were told. Now I'm sure if they really pushed, yeah, they yeah. could have- Paid the penalty, and but yeah, they yeah. couldn't borrow against it penalty-free. Another one. Her 401k did allow her to borrow against it. Okay. Except for only on a primary home, and she was buying a vacation property. She lived in New York, and Yo, she was buying a home what? in Orlando. Yep. So she made the phone call. It's a true story. This borrower made the phone call. She didn't ask all the right questions. Mm. 
She said, can I use my 401k to purchase a home? Well, here on the guidelines, it says you can. So yes, yes, ma'am, you can. Didn't say I was for a secondary home. Yep. So just be cognizant when someone is using a 401k, it's a great Mm -hmm. source of assets for down payment and closing costs. They need, the consumer needs to do the due diligence and they need to give all of the information to their 401k provider to make sure that they can, for this particular transaction, they can borrow against it. Nice. All right. Tax bills in general. And I don't know if this is a Florida thing or how, how national this is, but I will tell you in the state of Florida, which is the third most populous state in the union, and even lenders who don't live in Florida, they have clients who are buying in Florida. So every lender is wanting to do loans in Florida. You need to understand that there's a good chance that the tax bill that shows up in the MLS listing for $1,200 a month that you're trying to use $1,200 a month, I'm sorry, $1,200 a year, mm-hmm. 100 bucks a month. You're trying to use $100 a month because the listing says it's only $1,200 a year and county record says it's only $1,200 a year. Once your client buys that home, that tax bill could easily go up to $6,000. Hmm. And the reason why is because in the state of Florida, and I'm sure other states, we have what's called homestead exemption. And mm. the homestead exemption we have within that, the Save Our Homes Act. The Save Our Homes Act prevents the county from raising taxes on primary residents by no more than 3% per year. So think about this. You bought your house back in 2011. You paid $131,000 for that home, John. Mm -hmm. You've been taxed for the most part on the assessed value of $131,000. Now, every single year, the county's been able to increase your taxes by 3%. Well, over the past nine years, that's not that much, right? You you may have gone up um, 40% in terms of your taxable assessed value, mm-hmm. but your home has gone oh, up 400%. Yeah. So now when you sell that home, although you bought it for 130, and although your tax bill on that is maybe $1,800, the person buying that home, different six grand. Damn. It's gonna be $6,000. So A, depending on which lender is underwriting your file, which loan program. This is where Danielle Anderson's key key mm-hmm. phrase of it depends. It depends comes in, but more than likely, you can't run a payment and calculate DTI off of the $150 a month that John Coleman is paying in taxes. You have to go on the county's website, run a tax estimator, and you need to qualify that borrower at what their tax bill is going to be, which is 500 bucks a month. And now all of a sudden, does that $350 a month do one of two things? Does it A, prevent them from qualifying, or B, make the payment so uncomfortable they don't want to buy the home anymore? Mm. Either way, you owe it to your client, whether you're the realtor selling the home, whether you're the lender financing the home, or as a consumer, you're the one buying the house, you need to know these things. So that's a massive pitfall. That is a massive gotcha moment, not understanding the implications of what's going to happen to real estate taxes post Mm -hmm purchase. Once I buy John's home Mm -hmm. and the home is reassessed, how's that file going to be underwritten? Do we underwrite it based on this super low tax bill or do we underwrite it more appropriately based on what the payment's going to be once the county gets out, reassesses the property and issues a new tax bill? Hmm. And then lastly, and this is probably more for my, my, my home buyers, Realtors, lenders, anyone listening in that's in areas where condominiums or condos are sold. Mm -hmm. Okay. A condo is a condo is a condo, a condo. Mm -hmm. 
But there have been many times it looks like a townhome. Mm. It looks like a villa. Is that a patch of grass? Is that a lawn? In fact, this is called Cimarron Townhome Village. Uh-oh, it's a townhome in a villa? Village. <laughs> yeah, village. Yeah. Village. But when I look it up in county record, mm. there's no lot. Uh, ding, ding, ding. That's a red flag. There's no lot. Like when I look at the legal description, it mm. doesn't say lot something. And it shows as a condo. What? You mean there's condominiums out there that are marketed as townhomes or marketed as villas? What? But legally, they're really a condo. That's how they were zoned. That's how they were built. Damn marketers. That's how they operate. Those damn marketers. Yeah. So a pitfall, both, and this happens a lot on the real estate side. Those real, like, the realtor's like, no, it's a, it's, it, it's a townhome. It says it's a townhome Literally village. It says, yes, yeah, it's a townhome. Nope. I'm like, ma'am or sir, like, can I show you? <laughs> I want it to be a townhome no, no, no more, more than, than you, you do, do, right? But, but zoning says that it... Yes, yeah. yes. So never take someone's ultimate word. Do the research yourself. It takes less than three minutes to look up a property in the county's property appraiser. Yeah. You can see how that thing is, is coded. And if it's a condo, it's a condo. A condo is a condo is a condo. But it says townhome. <laughs> it says townhome. Right. Yeah. So that happens. So there's... Those right there are like what I call 10. We could probably sit and do days. Shit. Days. Especially yes. we bring in guys like Ben Davis and Mike Smith and Eric Putt. Oh, Rain Man. Like all day. Yeah. Like I could imagine. Imagine like me and Molly Nadu and Andy That's Burton. That's a great idea. I'm glad, Jesse, I'm glad you're putting Jesse it into Jesse DiGiacomo. That sounds like a panel for the first. Never mind. That sounds like a great Oh, panel. you're going to go T-Lop Live, huh? Yeah, sounds like a great panel breakout session for T-Lop Live. We're ready to do that. Sorry, that's just hey, where my mind is. Hey, may, maybe it is, John. Yep. But that's what we have for today. Yeah. Let's go ahead and just code this and title this like top 10-ish. Ish. Top 10-ish. <laughs> 10-ish. Pitfalls. Gotcha moments. Got, gotcha, gotcha moments. moments. Yep. Yeah, got it. That's it. Perfect. Okay. Hey, that's all the time we have, John. Okay. If people want to find us, where's a good place to like look us up? Tloponline.com. And it's T-L-O-P. O-P, or the Loan Officer Podcast.com. Yeah, well, TLOP stands for The Loan Officer Podcast. It's an acronym. There it is. Right? We're going to shout out Tom O'Brien again because Tom was the shout first to start Tom. calling us T-Lop. How you doing with them damn T-Loppers? Yes. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, t Online. He's John Coleman. I'm Dustin Owen. You can find us or me on LinkedIn. You can find us in the next episode. Peace.